This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome everyone. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber here on this lovely 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to all. Uh, at the end of the show, we're going to just do a quick review of some safety features for our pets. So don't hang up too early. Don't leave us too early. Anyway, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. So a couple of ways to get a hold of us. The easy way, that's kind of old fashioned, but it's a toll free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882, a better way is join us here live. That's for you, my Pet Life Radio audience, and for my IG audience here on my live show. Join us. It's, you just go on to PetLifeRadio.com. You click on shows. You follow, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you just click on it. And there's a, a Zoom link. Just click on the Zoom link, and you'll be here live. And you can always send me questions, as someone did last week. And uh, we didn't get to it during the show, but we're going to get to it now, interestingly, because the first thing I wanted to talk about today was regarding involving this question. So um, anyway, to do that, just send me questions to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So my first story was about boarding pets. And I mean, obviously, it might be too late for some of you. Maybe you're already away and your pets are already at the boarding facility. However, this question says, recently, I've been told by groomers, doggy daycares, and boarding locations that my dog needs border televaccinations every six months. My nephew's two dogs, who were vaccinated within a year, returned from being boarded one and a half weeks ago and came down with kennel cough. Are you seeing an increase in Bordetella? And the answer is absolutely. So my point was going to be that there are higher incidents of we're seeing of holiday weekends. And this one, people are going, getting away. And the message here by the American Veterinary Medical Association, keep your dogs updated on Bordetella and the influenza, the vaccine as well, the um, H3N2 and the H3N8, you definitely want to do these as well. Now, what's interesting is, is that the Bordetella vaccine, as in many cases, is given once a year. But of all the vaccines that we give, whereas the, like, for example, rabies is every three, distemper parvo, every three. Why is Bordetella not only one, but in a case like this, actually, they're making it every six months? The answer is very simple. It's not a great vaccine. It's actually not a vaccine by definition at all. Since Bordetella is a bacterium, what we're giving is a bacterin. And bacterins do not have that same lasting power. They can't make them to replicate the bacteria in the body continually making and forcing the body to make the immune response. So it's there. It's the best we got. So what I recommend is, well, first of all, in LA with our lifestyle, and depending on where you live in the country, if you're in an area with this kind of lifestyle as well, where dogs go everywhere with us. If you have a dog that frequents these places where dogs congregate, whether it's a dog park, a groomer, whatever, public places where people tend to go, Runyon Canyon, if you're familiar with that here in Los Angeles, then well, the recommendation is to get those vaccines every six months, the Bordetella, parinfluenza, every six months. So the advice you were given by them is not wrong. And I tell people that many, many of the facilities actually now require it every six months. So it becomes a lifestyle vaccine. If you are have the normal times a day, multiple times a day, whatever it is, you're walking them, but they're not really meeting up, then once a year is fine. But if any of these facilities or places where dogs congregate, I recommend you get the Bordetella vaccine every six months. So hope that answers your question. If uh, you have any further questions, you can always get back to me here at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Now, this is another thing. A lot of people like to rescue animals 
and rescuing dogs and cats, domesticated animals is great. However, be cautious about rescuing, and I use that term loosely, abandoned wild animals. It can be risky and actually pretty dangerous. And actually, also, in most states, it's illegal. You need to call authorities. And um, you want to make sure that if you're going to be so bold and bring them into your home, make sure that your pet's vaccines are totally up to date. I'm going to tell you a quick story that happened live. So um, years and years and years ago, a former technician of mine, she went to work with one of the, uh, the uh, pet stores, and um, she was just an animal nut. So I get a call one night, and she's sitting on the curb with a raccoon, a baby raccoon, which she thought was hit by a car and was cold. And she wanted me to come and see the raccoon. So I'm going to meet her. And as this raccoon, for whatever the reason was, it, it conked out in the first place, it came to. And here she is cuddling this raccoon in her arms. And this raccoon comes through and wakes up, looks at her stranger and goes bonkers and is trying to get away. And Diane, in her infinite lack of wisdom, she tried to hold the raccoon even tighter, which made the raccoon even more angry. And literally their claws are talons. She had cuts on her forearms that needed stitches. That's how deep they were. So that's the part where I say, could be dangerous. It is dangerous. Be very, very, very careful. Be smart. Don't let your uh, emotions take over your brain. So uh, anyway, I said that, and that is straight from the American Vet Med Association. So summertime, it's here. Yesterday was a gorgeous day here. And I know for most parts of the country, I know um, my producer, Mark, is in Florida. Um, I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago in Orlando, and it is hot and muggy. So the cautions are heat, sun, ticks, all can be hazardous to pets. And one of the things we worry about, obviously, are those of you that are not so convinced that this is a danger takes your dog for a walk or even a little run and goes to the park to chase the ball or the frisbee in the, in the middle of such a hot day. And you need to see the symptoms and know the symptoms of heat stroke. Now, first of all, which dogs are most susceptible to heat stroke? It's, well, the ones that I love and I have, French Bulldogs, any of the what we call brachycephalic breeds. These are the dogs with the pushed-in faces. So it's the, the Japanese chins, the, the Lhasas, the Shih Tzus, the Bulldogs, the English, the French, you know, all these, the pugs. These dogs are all at risk for heat stroke. So you want to be very careful. The, the Brussels Griffon, I mean, you name it, any of those short-faced dogs are at risk. I mean, every dog is at risk, but these even more so. So how do you know? So you're out there with your dog. All of a sudden, they're just losing it. They're decreased activity. They don't seem alert. They start panting. Check their tongue. If their tongue starts to turn like a dark color, almost like a purple color, they're not getting enough oxygen. They might be drooling. So these are all um, dangers. And you know that you need to get your pet out of the heat, inside, cool it down. Now, when you cool the dog down, by the way, you don't want to throw it into like an ice cold pool. That's not good. That'll shock the system. You want to use something like if it's hot, you just want to use like a lukewarm and then go to just cool, slowly, slowly bring that, that temperature up. If you bring it up too quickly, it could actually have some brain effects. So you want to be very careful. Other hazards, of course, are the hot pavement, uh, UV light, pools. I can't tell you how many cases I hear of drowning. Because again, even my yellow lab, Tommy, He's the most amazing swimmer. I, we have that baby gate around the pool, not because my grandkids. No, no, no. It's because the dogs. And he will swim all day long. And they don't know. They don't know when to call it quits. They are loving it so much. And also just know dogs are swimming in pools or in the ocean, wherever they swim, lakes, they take in a lot of water. 
In fact, that's why we always say dogs that have LP, laryngeal paralysis, and had surgery, you don't, even though they were good swimmers, it often happens in retrievers, and retrievers love to swim, but you need to be very, very careful. So these dogs, you, you have to limit their pool time, and because too much can be, and also, not to mention the chlorine. Now, we have the, the salt. We did the salt water when we did our pool, so, um, and that's a lot safer. It's very, very minor. It's not even nearly as salty as an ocean, but it does the job. But, and right now, I hear there's a shortage of chlorine so, uh, across the country. So you might want to think about salination. Anyway, uh, just be really careful. Know the signs and uh, help them get slowly, slowly reestablish their normal temperature. So 4th of July, I was going to review. We'll do that at the end of the show. Now, this is interesting. You've heard of typhoid fever, typhus. There have been 10 cases in Long Beach, California of typhus. And that is twice the number that they would normally see at this point during the year. And um, the bacterium is transmitted by fleas. So just another thing. We know we, know, you know, we get heartworm by mosquitoes. So, but, so the fleas, the mosquitoes, the flies, the bot flies, these are all insects that cause problems. So fleas give dogs tapeworms, all right? They eat the flea, they get the tapeworm. And there are other diseases that we, fleas are transmitted by. So we need to make sure that you keep fleas under control because they also, now we know they carry typhus and that is also a dangerous disease. Now, this is interesting. This is also interesting. You know, we see that more and more states are decriminalizing marijuana. Good, bad, and different. I'm not going to, we're not touching that now, but it's a fact. So what we're seeing now, what, what Connecticut did, which is very interesting, because of the decriminalization, and because if you go on the internet and you look at what people are posting about getting their dogs high, I mean, really, guys, are, are you that stupid? I mean, come on. What do you, it's not good for dogs. You want, you want, it's, it's cute to see your dog flopping around and, and having a tough time breathing and, and can't walk a straight line. I don't get it. But for many people out there, sadly, that is kind of cool. So here's what they did. They, though they decriminalized the possession of cannabis for pets, but they also, yeah, they considered a class, I mean, a possession for people. But what they also did is now they made it a class C misdemeanor to deliberately give cannabis to pets. So it's a class C misdemeanor, a lawyer I'm not. So, but with that, what I'm told in the article was up to three months in jail and a $500 fine because, you know, the cannabis product straight, unless it's pure, like 99.99% pure CBD, there is THC in the cannabis products. THC is really the toxic element, all right, of the cannabis, of marijuana. And um, it, there are a lot of toxic. In fact, the reason why we are being so careful in the veterinary world about the legalization and what's going to happen if and when is because we don't yet know enough about the THC. And also there are so many different varieties now of marijuana plant. You know, I always kind of joke, you know, truth be told, yes, I'm, you know, I'm product of the late 60s. I was in Berkeley in 1972. And were people smoking marijuana back in 1972? You bet they were. So, you know, this was nothing new. And, you know, when you think about your, your baked products, but there was one, maybe one type of marijuana. One, it was marijuana. You know, they had tie sticks, they had hash, but, you know, you bought an ounce, you bought a lid, whatever you want to call it. That's what you got. Now you walk into some of these pot stores and you, there, there are 30 or 40 different varieties, each with their own concentrations, each with their own benefits. You got to follow this. So until we have more normalization and standardization within the industry to know the THC levels, the type, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard for us as veterinarians to recommend any kind of THC product for your pets. Uh, we do, you need to be very, very, very careful out there. 
And when it comes to baked goods, oh my God. So yes, cute. You want to have the chocolate chip cookies. You want to have the, the pot brownies. That's fine, right? But do you think, I don't know, you cut it in half, you start with a little bit, even, even any of the edibles. There were no such edibles. It wasn't in candies. It wasn't in gummies. Now it's everywhere. And dogs don't stop. Trust me, they're not stopping at one where it says, oh, 15 milligrams or whatever the heck it is. So we need to be very, very careful with that. And we are seeing a lot of toxicity. So for those of you, if you live in Connecticut, just know that you, you could be imprisoned and fined if you deliberately give anything like that to your pets. So that's something to really uh, know. All right. So anyway, we're at that halfway point of the show. We're going to break for a quick commercial word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk something about horses and we're going to do some review on the July 4th safety features. And if you have any questions out there on IG Live, I can look at some of the questions that are coming in and maybe I can also answer one right after these short messages. Don't go away. So, you know, I'm always perusing what's going on in the pet world and I attend all the pet conferences. I came across a company I really like called Carlson Pet Products. It's family owned, very affordable stuff, and they specialize in creating pet safety products to keep your pets, you know, happily protected from the puppy stage all the way through their senior years. And they have tons of products. They have pet pens and folded elevated pet beds. They have crates, pet gates, etc. And um, I love their portable pen. First of all, they're very lightweight. You can fold them up. They have a little carry bag for storing. So they're really so convenient for you to use. You can use them for at home. You can use them for traveling. Or let's say you're just heading someplace down the street and you want to keep them protected. I think it's great. So the pet pens come in two sizes. You have a six panel and an eight panel. And so basically you get ample room to explore. And you can add also an attachable canopy. So it creates like a shaded area to protect them from the sun. So for more information, you can visit them at carlsonpetproducts.com. You'll get 25% off the order plus free shipping. If you use the promo code PETLIFE, that's P-E-T-L-I-F-E. You're going to love them. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. And during the break, uh, one of my uh, our listeners here on the Instagram Live, diving into color. The dog's eating habits change when it's hot outside. Our dog doesn't want to eat in the morning anymore. And um, it's a great question. And the answer is yes, they can. When dogs' habits change, you know, a number of times. First of all, we got to go way, way back to the 60s when, um, you know, the, the practice was back in the days of puppy chow for a full year till he's full grown kind of thing. And um, remember that take a puppy chow for a full year till he's full grown. So uh, you guys, you guys are too young to remember that. Anyway, then it was the adult dogs, they ate once a day. And then, and that was what we did. We fed our dogs dinner and then we learned more research and issues with obesity and health and nutrition. And we realized that dogs really should eat twice a day. Having said that, we, so what do we do? We start with them usually up to 12 weeks of age, three times a day. And then we start cutting out the middle meal by spreading the dividing it into the morning and the evening, feed twice a day. Most dogs I would imagine nowadays are fed twice a day. However, there are some that either will just nibble in the morning. And I, I don't know for, uh, in this question if that's the case with, uh, with uh, that dog, those dogs as well. My dogs, two of my five, two of them are really not really big morning eaters. And some mornings, they don't touch it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, are they sick? And then come dinner time, oh my God, they wolf it down. So it really just depends on a lot the dog. But when it gets really hot out there, just like us, you're more interested in drinking, you're just not that hungry. 
And um, I, I think the same thing holds for the dogs. And, um, and now my Labrador and my Frenchie, nothing stops them from eating. So uh, I, my lab, I always say Labradors, it's one of the criteria that when you're evaluating Ill, you know, how sick your dog is, illness, et cetera, some of the questions, first question we'll ask is, is he still eating? You can't ask that about a Labrador. They'll eat on their deathbed. They're crazy. They eat everything. But uh, so yes, the answer is eating habits can change. Whether it's something permanent, what I would always do is just, you want to rule out the other things too. So obviously have your veterinarian check the mouth, make sure there are no bad teeth. Make sure that there are no lesions, not anything growing on inside the mouth, inside the gums, et cetera. So assuming that's normal and assuming they eat really well at their dinner time, then chances are it's just either because the heat or just their own bodies changing. I don't know if they're younger or older and how, whether it's how new this is. But anyway, it wouldn't concern me that much as long as they, everything else is normal and they certainly are eating their share come dinner time. So this was uh, something I found very interesting. And I was, you know, though I did some, a lot of pre-vet work with horses, I worked with one of the top equine surgeons in, in uh, Southern California, Dr. Uh, Dr. Baker. And um, I saw this, I said, that this is really sad. So these are something you equine enthusiasts actually might like, and it's called an anti-soaring bill. That's, there's no end in there. It's not an anti-snoring bill. It's an anti-soaring bill. What is soaring? Soaring is if you ever watched horses, the way they prance, and they, they, they overstep and they exaggerate that upward step. Well, you know how they teach horses to do that? They actually put something like a chemical, like a burn in their feet. So it hurts them when they step or they do an electrical something or they put a mechanical device inside the foot. So when they step down, it actually puts pressure and it hurts them. Terrible. And, and that's what people do to teach these horses how to, to have that prancing, you know, high stepping look. And uh, this, it was just reintroduced at, uh, and passed through the House of Representatives. It's now in the Senate. And what's interesting is there, and, it, and obviously the, the measure is to ban the use of chemical or devices to cause pain in horses' feet, which causes them to artificially prance and high step. Now, interesting, this bill was first introduced and passed in 1970, but there's been no regulation. No one's really been monitoring it. And now it's being reintroduced with a harsher punishment. So I think for all of you uh, horse people out there, that's going to make you very happy. And, and for the, I, I'm, it's really frightening when you think that that's what they're resorting to. It's sort of like when people do, you know, I'm going to be kind of obnoxious right now because sometimes I am. And that is that when you look at plastic surgery, when we look at plastic surgery, I do a lot of plastics for dogs. And my motivation has nothing to do with aesthetics. It's all to do with function and how we differ from the human side because plastic surgery in the human side, the primary reason really is, uh, let's face it, the truth be told, is aesthetics. It's the look. It's not the function. As a matter of fact, many people that resort to certain plastic surgeries are willing to sacrifice function in order to achieve a certain form. And we're the opposite. In dogs, it's all about the function. We don't care about the form. Yes, we are going to take those skin folds away from a Sharpay because they're getting continued skin, and we call pyoderma skin fold infections within those folds. We need to reduce those folds. Yes, are we going to make the Sharpay not look like such a great Sharpay? You betcha. And, uh, but guess what? They're going to feel a lot better. And the same thing with nares. When we do the, the nose surgeries, and I do a lot of nares surgeries in French bulldogs. And uh, again, is it make the nose might look a little different? Yeah, but guess what? They can breathe. And that's what's important. So here, when you think about wanting something for the look, for the purely the aesthetics of having this horse walk like that, but in the process, you are actually hurting them, injuring them, causing pain. That's pretty gross. 
Anyway, I'm glad that uh, is in the Senate, and I certainly hope it should pass. And I, having zoomed through the House of Representatives, I do think it should pass. Now, just a few final thoughts on 4th of July. So here it is in LA. Um, it's a whopping 9, almost 9.30, 9.26 in the morning. So we're a lot farther away from the barbecues. But be careful out there. It's usually hot. So we already talked about some of the sun and the heat issues. Be very careful. Comes to the food, again, just to review to you know, all these issues with food. It's the fatty foods. It's the, the fat from a steak. It's the hot barbecue itself. They may jump up on it. They may burn their feet. Uh, obviously, exercise caution. Avocado, you're going to have some guacamole. It might be a little too fatty. You could be careful with that as well. Nuts, macadamia nuts. If you're going to have some guests over before meals, you're sitting and schmoozing and you got the, the peanuts and the nuts out. You got to be careful about that. Candies, things that are baked products. Anything is too fatty. Anything made with xylitol. Remember, xylitol is highly toxic. That's the, the artificial sweetener. That is very toxic to our pets. Raisins, if there are anything raisins, if you have a fruit bowl and you got grapes in there, these are all the things you need to worry about. And then of course, the, the corn on the cob. I, we've talked about it a zillion times. Corn cobs are very dangerous, just as our bones, poultry bones, which are too soft and splinter, steak bones, which are too hard, um, the knuckle bones, which I've seen many dogs get it caught on the lower jaw. So these are all concerns that I have. You need to be very careful. And now, of course, the fireworks, the sound, the freaking out, safe room, put them in, uh, give them some you know, really good enrichment toys, toys that are self-rewarding. You have the puzzles, you have the Robobone, which I love. Uh, you can put on dog TV, dog TV as programming that will you know, help soothe the dog. Play music like classical music. Put it a little louder so it'll drown out some of the sounds. Uh, make sure your dogs are collared, microchipped, ID tags, and um, even if you're going to collar them, this is where that FI collar, the FI collar, FI comes into play because you can actually have a really great GPS device on the collar as well. And um, so heaven forbid your dog should get out, you, you know, the front door opens, your guests are coming in, and that dog just makes a beeline. Uh, they're running because they're afraid. So these are all those little things that can make a big difference for your dog. So uh, cats, interestingly, cats don't seem to be bothered as much. I don't know. They've adapted. You know, a lot of our cats spend more time outdoors anyway. They're used to sounds. They know if they're in an, uh, they don't want to put themselves into an unfamiliar area. They like being in a familiar area. So worse yet, they're going to go and they're going to hide someplace around the house. Now, another mistake that we make, we've talked about it many, many times before, and maybe this is good, you know, recommendation for next year. And that is you can start the training now. And that is a better way to deal with this is not the drugs, not the calming supplements, not the, the comms vest, not the thunder shirt. You know, these are things, or worse yet, the heavy duty drugs that we have often have to use, whether it's, you know, that are effective. Acepromazine, Alprazolam, which is Xanax, Trazodone, um, Saleo, which is a great product for noise aversions. But, and again, when we have to use them, you got to use them because it's whatever you can do to, to sort of help our, our pets deal with this and not freak them out because stress is really, really bad for our pets. So anything we do to relieve the stress, but a better way to do it is start much sooner, six months in advance. And that is you get, again, you can download sound effects. You can download thunder and lightning. You can download construction. You can download fireworks. And you start playing it for your dog in very, very, very low, in almost inaudible. And to them, it just becomes background noise. And when you, they're hearing it, they're listening, they're not moving, you reward that behavior. You reward the fact that they're sitting, you're sitting with you, you're playing this, and they're just sitting there, they could care less. That gets the reward. And then um, what you want to do is you increase the volume 
every training session. You might do two, three training sessions a week. And every time you increase the volume just a little. And then again, for the non-reaction, and you reward them for the non-reaction. And then it re increase it again. You want to get to the point where you are desensitizing them to these sounds and actually counter-conditioning them because of the positive reward to like them. So you get to the point where you're playing them fairly loudly and they're just sitting there, not running away and hiding, but they're sitting there waiting for their reward, which leads me to another point. And that is that you want to make sure not to over-coddle your pets when they start exhibiting that fearful behavior. Because then what you're doing is the opposite. You are rewarding them for the behavior that you're trying to change. Yeah, we can use the drugs. We can use the anti-allergy medication. We can use the PRED and the Cytopoint and the Apoquil. And they're great. But better yet, think about desensitizing them with allergy shots, building their own immunity through those same allergens, those same antigens, and then let them be able to handle them on their own without the use of the drugs. So that's kind of the better way to go. For all of you out there, have a wonderful fourth. Keep it safe. Keep your pets healthy and happy. Eat well, not too well. And uh, we will be back here uh, next week, same time, same back channel. If you have any questions, this goes for my Pet Life Radio followers and for my Instagram followers. Any questions, any subject matter that you would like me to cover, reach me out, reach out to me. You can reach out to me on IG. Reach out to me at drjeff at petliferadio.com. I will get those emails and we can um, talk about it on my following show. So I'd love to do that. Love to help you out. If you're dealing, your pet's dealing with something right now that is a little bit unusual, that you want that second opinion, you know, join me or go to AirVet, airvet.com. You can uh, put Jeff's Telehospital, J-E-F-F apostrophe S, as your primary hospital, and then send me an appointment request and we can converse real time live to help you resolve your issues, answer your questions, and help you through whatever it is that you may be going through with your pet. So, stay forth. Great week. We'll see you here at the same time next week, and we'll uh, see you then. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.